You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. We're coming to you from the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island. During the Mackinac Policy Conference, our annual chance to get political and business leadership all together in one space to talk about and maybe try to solve some of Michigan's biggest problems. As Congress wrestles with its ability to deal with a hostile White House, Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence of Michigan has become one of the most recognized voices on the House Oversight Committee. Her lines of questioning and hearings, such as Michael Cohen's testimony before the committee, have made big headlines. And she joins us now to talk about life in the era of Trump in Congress. Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence, welcome to Detroit Today. I'm so glad to be here with you today, to be um in Michigan and on Mackinac Island. Yeah. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, I was going to say, we've had unbelievable weather up here. Yes. Uh, which uh, folks back home may not know is not the norm. No <laughs> it's way. It's pretty miserable <laughs> during this week. Uh, so uh, let's start with uh, the role that you are playing mm-hmm. on oversight. Uh, it's pretty exciting for me mm-hmm. uh, as a Michigander to turn on the TV each night on national cable news shows and mm-hmm. see a number of faces that mm-hmm. I'm quite familiar with talking mm-hmm. about what is going on with uh, this presidency and what Congress's role is uh, in dealing with that, uh, that presidency. Uh, talk about how that has felt from your chair. So, um, you know, I always tell the story, you know, the little black girl from the east side of Detroit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Growing up uh, with the foundation of that, we have a responsibility to each other. And to be able to go through local government, school board, city council, to serve as mayor, and now to be in Congress, we're confronted in this time with so many issues, beliefs, uh, past practices, things that we believe in that are being, you know, some say attacked, or there's difference of opinions. And so it's it's a... It's an amazing norms, time. The norms, norms that we count on to keep things running and to, 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 to sort of bond the faith that we have to have in each other yes. in this republic. That's what seems under attack. And, and the, uh, the basic movement that we thought we have gone through when it comes to equality, when it comes to respect of differences, mm-hmm. is now on the table being debated and torn apart. And so it's... It's an interesting time mm-hmm. uh, to be in government. I tell people we are writing a, a chapter in our history in this country that I've never seen written before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that, I'm still encouraged. I believe in our democracy. I will tell you, Stephen, um, I have to refocus often yeah. to say, why am I here and is it worth it? It is so worth it. This country, the freedoms, the rights we have, you know, our story is... Is so varied, through you know, as an African American. Very difficult, yeah. And to sit here today to say I'm a member of Congress mm. and I have freedoms and rights, and to be in a position to fight to protect those. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about uh, Robert Mueller, uh, who mm-hmm. was this special investigator looking into this 
a question of what the role that uh, collusion and, and, and other things might have played in the 2016 mm-hmm. election. He, he said this week he came out and actually said some things uh, about that mm-hmm. investigation, spoke for himself rather than having other people speak for him, which I thought was really good because mm-hmm. everyone else seemed to have opinion. an opinion about what yes. he was actually saying. It was great to hear from him mm-hmm. uh, firsthand. I wonder what your reaction was to the things that he said. Well, it was interesting to me that he stated he didn't want to be interviewed. He didn't want to he give He does not want to go and yes. speak before Congress. He doesn't want to testify. And he said that the Mueller report speaks for itself. I mean, if I can backtrack, why did we as Congress demand an unredacted report? We don't know what all he said because the report we received was pages and pages of, you know, blacked out, conversations, interviews. With that being said, he said, read the report. I agree with him there. But however, this is a very, very serious document. Mm -hmm. From my reading, over 10 incidents of obstruction of justice. I think everyone's on, on, on the same page, the collusion issue. I'll give that to the president. There was no finding in there, but there's clearly examples of obstruction of justice. We cannot just read a report and do our job of accountability, of holding every branch of our government accountable. We must interview him. And I sit on government oversight, as Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. What is my job is to make sure our government is working, make sure we're in compliance, make sure that no one is violating the rights and laws of this country being paid by the taxpayers of America. And so the president is not exempt from that. Uh, Some people like to say this is a political witch hunt. History has shown us Democrat and Republican presidents have been held accountable this process that this president is just as equally um, when he took the Oval Office, mm. he operates under that provision. Our Constitution tells Congress you have the responsibility to ensure that our government is functioning properly and that you must investigate and have hearings. So the articles of impeachment, and every time you say impeachment, everyone goes, mm. you know, gets a little excited. It is a process. It is hearings. It's fact-finding. It is uh, looking into those uh, issues that have been brought forward. If you don't begin the process, you can't. Then there's a vote for impeachment. Whether or not to. Whether or not to impeach. And for us not to even do the articles where we start the investigation, I think is, from what I see and from where I sit, is you feel a failure. Like that's an abdication? I feel it's a failure of our job as Congress. So let me ask you this. What's the point of having Robert Mueller come testify in front of Congress if, if he says, I don't intend to say more than what's in the report? I mean, what, what would you learn from him? What is in the report? I see. So it's, it's, yes. Would a, better, would a better way to do that be to have Congress have access to the full report then? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I yes. See. So you're saying if, we, if you can't get access to that, then you do need Mueller to come and so fill in the you, blanks. So you do know Mueller is not a reporter. Right. Right. <laughs> he, he is, he is a, a person who yeah. had investigative right. responsibility, and he's a law enforcement officer. We called... We know there's a crime, but we call the police officer 
to the stand if there is all a the case time. all the time. Yeah. He's not a reporter, so please don't tell me to read what you wrote. There is a process in this out of respect for the office of the president, out of respect for the office of Congress, that we have to go through a process. Hmm. So, so tell me how you feel about the way Speaker Pelosi is pursuing this. Is she moving too slow, as some people have said? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is, is she taking her time appropriately to decide mm-hmm. whether something this important needs to happen in, in, in the House? I don't think this should be a swift process. This is serious. This is the president of the United States of America. And he does, whether he earns it or not, his position is one that should be held in high esteem and it should be respected. when, When and if we introduce articles of impeachment, it should be after thorough fact finding. There is no there is no cloudy issues on this and that we are doing our job as Congress. We're not on, quote, unquote, the witch hunt. So some will say she's treading too softly. Um, there is a bubbling um, voice of the people that's saying, Congress, what are you doing? How many times can he violate his office before you do something? One of the things Nancy Pelosi, I think, has done a great job in is saying stay focused on legislation. We just passed uh, legislation on Social Security. We passed legislation on gun violence. We passed legislation on the affordable health care, women's rights, equality rights. And she is saying we can't be the party of impeachment. We are the party of taking care of the people. And our slogan is for the people. So, um I I appreciate her leadership on that. Yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson broadcasting from the Mackinac Policy Conference on Mackinac Island. My guest is Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence, a Democrat who represents Michigan's 14th district. Uh, We're talking about uh, what's going on in Washington with oversight of the presidency. Uh, She sits on the House Oversight Committee, has had a really prominent role in some of the discussions about this presidency and the ways in which uh, it acts inside or outside of its authority. Um, I want to talk uh, uh, about what you think about the other members of the delegation here who've talked about impeachment. Uh, Justin Amash, uh, mm-hmm. a real surprise, I think, uh, unless you know him really well. I mean, I think uh, you know. he is kind of a uh, maverick, I guess. He, mm-hmm. he, he, he does his own thing. He says he read this report, what, what's available of it now, mm-hmm. and says there's more than enough to mm-hmm. impeach the president. He's not even waiting to, to mm-hmm. do the investigation. He says mm-hmm. we're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder how you react to, to that coming from a Republican uh, mm-hmm. and also someone from here in the state of Michigan. I wouldn't call him a Republican. He is <laughs> truly yeah. in a category all of he his really own. He really is. And like you said, if you know him and know his voting record, it's not surprising um, he's a person who's true to his conviction. And uh, it's... Um, Are you not quite as far down the road as he seems in terms of whether this president should be impeached? Are you still at the stage of saying we definitely need to investigate and then decide? See, I'm a firm believer in due process. And I feel due process for any American citizen is... It should be followed because I don't want anyone to 
take a, a person from my community, from my district, and just slap them with a penalty. Mm. I really do respect due process. Mm. Okay. Um, I, I want to talk to you about something that you are involved in that I'm not sure most people know uh, mm-hmm. that you were involved in, but, but we had a conversation earlier up here um, uh, about reparations mm-hmm. uh, and something that you did mm-hmm. to try to, I guess, uh, mature or evolve the conversation mm-hmm. about repar- reparations. And you did it right in the yes. city of Detroit. Yes. Tell, tell us what that was. So I'm, uh, I'm vice chair of the Black Caucus in Congress. Mm-hmm. There's 55 members of Congress who are African American. And we're doing a listening tour all over the country. And the first stop was Detroit. And we had the State of Black America Town Hall. And the issue of reparations came up. Stephen, I really want to have this conversation. To give you an example, um, one of the presidential candidates said that Indi- I mean, I'm sorry, Iowa mm-hmm. is 4%. No, I'm sorry, 2%. African American. African American. But 40% of the prison population, they're African American. We are hitting the bottom when it comes to overall statistics, when it comes to educational outcomes, when it comes to wealth in America, when it comes to health issues. What, what is the reality of America for an African American? First of all, we were brought over in slavery. We, only the strongest survived because mm-hmm. over half died. Yes. So... We survived, and then we were put in an environment where we were not given the nutrition that a normal person would give. So we have some inherent health issues, no fault of our own. Then when you talk about what was the main thing that was denied to black people through slavery, through through Jim Crow, mm-hmm. through civil rights, it was education. And so when you talk about educational Outcomes because educational is, you say, generational wealth. Generational education sure. plays a major role in families. In that wealth building, yeah. And then they, they talk about the structure of the black family. What did they do to us in slavery and in Jim Crow and civil rights? They demeaned the man. They, they took the women and sold the children. I mean, all these things happened. We are now in a country with rights and freedoms. And I can tell you, I said I'm a little black girl from the east side of Detroit who was raised by a a woman who was the granddaughter of an emancipated slave. Mm. Mm. A woman who did not have a high school education, but believed in her heart that if her child was going to be successful, that I needed an education. And she fought for that because of the rights and freedoms of this country. Mm But we cannot deny how, why are we the largest incarcerated population in this country? Why is it that we have some of the largest number of chronic health conditions? Why is it, you know, the basic thing of owning property right in my district? There are deeds that said black people cannot buy here. What has been the major component of building generational wealth? The ownership of land and, and real estate of property. exactly yeah. so it's time for us to have that conversation and, and some people push back what you want 40 acres and a mule See, i was gonna say i mean no. if you say that word yes 
there are a, a number of immediate reactions that people have, a lot of them quite negative, about mm-hmm. the idea of uh, practicality. Some mm-hmm. people, just from a moral standpoint, I think, don't feel like the country mm-hmm. owes African Americans uh, mm-hmm. anything on that kind of systemic scale. So I'm curious, when you had this uh, this discussion here in Detroit, what did you hear about? What did you hear about? I heard that it is time in America to have a discussion. Some people say a simple apology. America apologized for enslaving a race of people is a huge step. Mm. Uh, when you talk about educational outcomes, now I want you to know America has apologized to Native Americans. They apologized to the Asian community. The Japanese Americans yes. after the World War, Second they, World War. They have recognized what we did was wrong morally. And so that's a huge step. But then when you start talking about educational outcomes, I'm on appropriations. We should be for the success and the economic success of this country and building a workforce, we cannot continue to have a whole race of people underperforming and you're defunding these school systems. Mm-hmm. We looked at what we did to Native Americans and we I sit on appropriations. We are investing in Indian colleges. We are investing in native tribal lands, in health care issues. And so I'm not asking for a handout. I I fought through this system, but there should be a commitment from this country to address these underperforming areas because it impacts America. You know, I've been uh, surprised, I guess, by how much traction this issue has gotten Mm -hmm. already Mm -hmm. in the Democratic uh, presidential contest. If I'm not mistaken, everybody who's put their hat in the ring has been asked about Mm -hmm. this issue, and and Mm -hmm. I don't I can't think of anybody who has said uh, they don't it's not something they don't want to even consider. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, there's a range of of where they are in terms of what they think should happen. Uh, Is that the kind of breakthrough, do you think, that that we will see sort of sustain through the election? And Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a conversation that's been going on for a really long time. Um, Are we we going to get somewhere? We need to give John Conyers credit because every single Congress, he introduced it. And I just went to his 90th birthday party (laughs) and I said, isn't it exciting that all those years of labor that you put into this issue, that it's finally, he says, finally being talked about. And he said, you know, we have to continue this. And so I'm excited that on a national platform that the, that the need for this conversation for the heal, we always talk about race relations and healing. Can you imagine the impact of healing that this would start? If we as a country... Actually accounting for what happened. Accounting and recognizing it and saying that this was wrong and this is the result of that. That's the connection. There is a result of years and years and years of persecution and denial of rights that is had on the African American community. Okay, Brenda Lawrence, Michigan congressional representative from the 14th district 
really great to see you here up on Thank Mac you. and I. And I want you to know I'm going to continue that conversation. You say so. we, we would love for you to do that uh, here on our air as well. Yes. I mean, it's a, a subject that we have talked about a number of times and have deep interest in as okay. well. Okay. Thank you. All right. Up next, we're going to hear from Congressman Andy Levin. Stay with us on Detroit Today.